God's written living word to me. It reveals to me who God says I am and tells me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore I am transformed. Sometimes an idea is best communicated via a little video snippet. And you know I'm fond of that sort of thing. And so our lighting people are going to help me. Our sound people are, are, are on cue here. And I want you to watch this. DirecTV has been rated number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 17 years running. But some people still like cable. Just like some people like banging their head on a low ceiling. Drinking spoiled milk. Camping in poison ivy. Getting a paper cut and having their arm trapped in a vending machine. But for everyone else, there's DirecTV. For number one rated customer satisfaction over cable. DirecTV. Call one. I laughed out loud seeing that for the first time. And I played it back and I played it back and my wife is going, what is wrong with you? And I said, that's perfect for my sermon. I love that. You know, some people are just okay with mediocrity. The number one reason we aren't enjoying the things that God created us to walk in is our commitment to mediocrity. Imagine that. Actually having a commitment to mediocrity. What do I mean mediocrity? Webster's defines it as moderate or low quality. Here's some synonyms. Average, indifferent, tolerable. I looked up indifferent. Does not matter one way or another. You're just kind of apathetic. Tolerable, moderately good or just agreeable. And so we, we find ourselves being in a place where we just agree with a little bit of everything. We agree with a little bit of faith. We agree with a little bit of doubt. <laughs> We agree with a little bit of blessing. We agree with a little bit of curse. We agree with a little bit of favor and things going well. And then we just say, well, you know, God's God. So this situation I'm in right now, I agree with it too. And I'll accept this crisis as being from the hand of the Lord. Nothing will breed mediocrity quicker than not knowing what the word of God says about your destiny and the promises of God that he's called you to. And so you just case sarah, sarah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of faith. Mediocrity, where you're not exactly sure what God has called you to. God is looking for a people who will believe him to fulfill his promises. God's just looking I, I mean, he's going throughout the earth. The Bible talks about how he goes throughout the earth looking and sizing things up and analyzing and looking for somebody who will believe him to perform his promises. You know, this doesn't happen as a result of sweat or personal effort. God will bring his promises to pass for everyone who will simply Leave way where they are at and trust God to bring them in to the new day that he has for them. How about you? Are you willing to leave where you're at? Or are you so attached to that that even a promise to the contrary 
can't move you. I don't know about you. I'm willing to leave where I've been. I'm not willing to dwell with mediocrity. I'm not willing to accept what is and that that is the best that God has for me. You know, change is random. But transition is the intentional stepping forward into the purpose of God for your life. I want to be intentional. I, 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 I want to transition. I want to move forward. All right? Uh, change in, and, and things going right, things going wrong, things not staying the same, that's random. That happens all the time. But you can purpose to transition. You can purpose in your heart to transition from where you are now into God's favor, into that next step of what God has for you. How many of you want to do that? I want to talk to you about that today. In fact, I want to talk to you about a big idea that I've written down as your future is a promise, your faith makes it yours. Your future's been laid out. God's promised you an exciting, incredible, full, rich, satiating, provisioned future. But whether you get into it, whether you step into it, whether you go there or not, is a decision that you make. You have to take that thing by faith. You have to get out of your seat sometimes. You have to stand up and declare, I'm not happy where I'm sitting. I'm not happy with things the way that they are. How many of you know it's okay to be like the Apostle Paul who says, I have learned to be satisfied in the place or position where I am. But then he said in another passage, I press towards the high calling of God, never looking back but pressing for. How can those two coexist? Because you can be satisfied in terms of resting in the Lord, but still be passionate that with, and intentional with the favor of God's promise. It's true. You don't have to stay where you are. You can take your next step. Your future is a promise. And your faith is going to make it yours. You know, holding on to what's familiar keeps you on the wrong side of your destiny. Boy, it's good to see you all here this morning. I'm excited. I'm just glad you're getting here. You're getting in. Thank you, Jesus. I'm stirred up this morning. I'm stirred. I don't know if you read my email, if you got my email. I'm stirred up this morning. Praise God. Listen to this. Holding on to what's familiar will keep you on this side of God's destiny for your life. Being faithful with what belongs to somebody else will inevitably transition you into what is your own. That's one of the principles of getting to where God wants you to be. It's, it's one of the next steps that some of you need to take is being faithful with what is somebody else's. So that he can bring you into what is your own. Let's turn to our text this morning, which is found in Joshua, the first chapter. Joshua, the first chapter. We're going to be reading this from the NET version. 
the NET, New English Translation Version. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, I'm reading. After Moses, the Lord's servant, died, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get ready. Cross the Jordan River. Lead these people into the land which I am ready to give or hand over to them. I am handing over to you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. No one will be able to resist you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will not abandon you or leave you alone. Be strong and brave. You must lead these people into the conquest of this land that I solemnly promised their ancestors that I would hand it over to them. Now watch. I'm just going to read the first part of verse 7. Make sure you are very strong and brave. And then he repeats it in verse 9. I repeat, be strong and brave. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. For I, the Lord your God, am with you in all that you do, including vacationing in Florida. I have a way. I saw that you were going to be there. I knew the hurricane was coming. And I made a way for you still to enjoy yourselves and then get out of town safely and get back here on a completely different flight. And no harm done. Yes. You see, your future is a promise. Look at verse 2 again. Moses is dead. What are you holding on to? Moses is dead. Just, we can take it off the screen. Moses is dead. That's all I wanted out of that right now. Think about it. What are you holding on to that speaks of your old life? Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about old thought patterns. I'm talking about old relationships. I'm talking about maybe a career that you've been steeped in, held by, Locked down in for so many years and you know, you know the dream of your heart is to be elsewhere. But because of mediocrity and fear and reservation, you don't go there. You don't dare believe God to take you somewhere else you've not been yet. And some people are still just rooted in a performance-based belief. And so they don't believe God will be good to them because they haven't been good. Oh, I don't know. You didn't hear me. Sometimes we don't believe that God will be good to us and bless us because we haven't been good. And I've learned that God doesn't bless me because I'm good, but because he's good. (laughs) I learned that in the old covenant, blessing came after obedience, but in the new covenant, this is a new day, it is a new covenant, blessing comes before obedience. In fact, blessing enables me to obey. In fact, I want to obey the Lord even more. I want to love him even more passionately because of his goodness. Good, good father, Chris Tomlin wrote. What a song. was listening to that yesterday, a couple times over. Listen to this. For the law was given through Moses. That's the old way. That's the old style. 
That's the old career. That's the old way of believing. That might be some old friends you have. That might be some thought patterns you're steeped in. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. I like that. God doesn't have a law-based, performance-based idea in his brain. God doesn't have even an ounce, not, not one cell of feeling towards you that is hateful or destructive or I'm disappointed in you or I'm going to withhold that from you because of the way you act. God doesn't act like we do. Thank you, Jesus. God doesn't act like I do as a parent. You know what I'm talking about. When your kid messes up, <laughs> there's just something sort of in your cellular structure that begins to respond to that. Now, correction is good. The Bible talks about appropriate correction. But the need to punish because we blew it. I spilt my milk. I stayed out too long. I didn't come when called. We've got to be careful with that. We've got to be careful that punishment doesn't look like our vengeance or our need to exact something from somebody. And it looks like the love of God bringing correction that spanks me. You know, the Bible in Hebrews talks about how that God gets our attention by correcting us, disciplining us as a loving father. And he does it without a cell in his being that hates, that believes the worst, that's holding out on you, that wants to destroy, that wants to exact vengeance, or any of that. You know why? God looks like Jesus. You want to know what God's nature is? God looks like Jesus. And oh, by the way, we don't serve a schizophrenic God. He wasn't one thing in the Old Testament, and now he's a new thing in the New Testament because Jesus came and stood in the middle and held up his hands and said, please, Father, don't wipe them out. Oh, we have so much to learn about the Bible. Verse 2, look at it. Verse 2, get ready. He says, get ready. That's the Hebrew word for get up. Sometimes you need to just stand up. Is there anybody in here that would just stand up with me? I mean, sometimes you just need to get off your blessed assurance and stand up. Quit sitting there waiting for something to happen. Get up. Now sit down. Brother, you can stay right there if you'd like to. Get up. Did, did mom ever come into your room while you were still laying there in bed, missing out on the purpose of God for your life that day? Come on, get up. <laughs> you didn't view it that way because it was school or it was chores on Saturday or whatever. But see, what we fail to realize is that God's even in those things. God's there while I'm clipping those weeds. God's there while I'm going to work. God's there while I'm sitting behind that school desk listening to the teacher. Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why all you students need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. Because when you have a 
boring teacher or a boring <laughs> professor. You just pray in the Holy Ghost. Satalabashatabagaya. Believe God for a good grade. This Hebrew word also means to arise, to stand, to stand up. It can also mean to show honor and respect. Boy, we are missing that today in the body of Christ. We are missing where, where we as believers come together and we honor not only the Lord, but we honor one another. See, when we honor each other, you can't hold on to things that somebody's done against you or about you or to you. Right? You can't hold on to something that somebody said about you when you truly honor them because you just let that thing go. You realize that everybody has a bad day. You realize that everybody goes through seasons where they're not forgiving, where they're not kind, and, and you need to walk with them and just continue to honor. It also means to belong, to rouse, to revive, to establish your strength. That's why I had you stand. Arise, he says. Get up. Rouse yourself. And then listen to this. And, and it would seem to be contrary from everything else that the word means so far. It also means to bring to silence. Psalm 107, 29. Where they brought to silence everything that was going on into a great pause. Well, that's okay. I see Jesus in that. How about when Jesus was crossing the Sea of Galilee in the boat and a storm came? The word of the Lord was cross over to the other side. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side. But then circumstances came to try to get them to not believe, to doubt God's word. And it was called a storm. And so this boat was being tossed around and it was beginning to flood. And Jesus was asleep up in the stern or back stern, wherever the stern of a boat is. Jesus was asleep. Just taking it easy. <laughs> Not being, and his disciples came and woke him and said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And what did Jesus say? Don't you realize you have a destiny? Don't you realize, don't you remember the word of the Lord to you was get in the boat and let's go to the other side? Do you think that I'm going to fail you in getting to the other side and just let this boat drown? That's why I was just taking it easy. I was just asleep. But since you're not in faith right now, wind be still. And it just calms. I submit to you that the place of faith and favor can coexist. The place of silence where you're just trusting the Lord can coexist in the midst of circumstances that seem overwhelming. Where your heart wants to give up. Where it looks like God has abandoned you and his promise. Silence and trust can coexist. Jesus did it. Jesus did it when he was asleep in that boat. Had they not woken, had they not woken him to silence the waves, the boat still would have made it to the other side. See, you just got to believe that on your worst day, when you don't want to pray, you don't want to get your Bible out. You don't want to confess and speak the word to a problem. On your worst day, Amy, you've got to believe God's still taking that boat to the other side, dear. He will not give up on us. He does not quit. We sang it. Whew. 
Mm. Come on, Jesus. Get ready, all right? Moses is dead. Get ready. But his disciples had to choose to leave the shore. They had to choose to get into the boat. They had to agree to go across. And they weren't rowing in a different direction than the Lord had instructed them. Sometimes as a pastor, I come up against that. I come up up against people who have mindsets and feelings and wishes and desires who are rowing against the way that I want to go. The Lord has said, go this way. And they're over here rowing against. You know, part of experiencing God's trust, part of experiencing your own destiny is being faithful with what is another man's first so that God can bring you into your own. So quit rowing against the mission. Quit rowing against the vision of the house and get in that boat and start rowing in the same way that the leadership of the church has said, let's go. Let's get after this thing. Hallelujah. You'll get your own. Be faithful with what is another man's first. Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. And then in verse 2, he says, get up. And what's the next two, three words? Look at it. Cross this Jordan. Get up. Cross this Jordan. The word means to pass through or to pass over. Literally, it's like when the waters that came during Noah's time flooded the earth and just passed over everything, just flooded the entire earth. Or it can refer to the movement of God's Spirit. I don't know about you, and thank you, worship leaders. Oh, my goodness. Jared and Michaela. Wasn't that tremendous day uh, today? And then our own musicians, always just right there, you guys. Stupendous. What, does that, what happened during that worship service? They, through faith and their instruments and voices, pulled back that curtain, pulled back that door that sometimes just be- tends to get shut over the course of a week. Circumstances, doubts, fears, just busyness, material things, cares and riches, cares of this life tend to just close that thing, get in the way of it. It's not that God's left, it's that things get in the way. And thank God for a music service. Thank God for, for musicians, worshipers, who can pull that curtain back and cause us to host the presence of God. Cross over the river Jordan, or literally it just is cross over Jordan. The river was added. Cross over Jordan. Well, the meaning of Jordan is to defend, or excuse me, to descend, not defend, to descend or flowing downward. Now, this is the most famous river in all of Israel, and it's one of the most famous Uh, rivers in the world over 180 times mentioned in the Old Testament Testament, numerous times in the New Testament now get this it starts at an elevation of 300 feet up in the mountains by Mount Hermon that's where it starts that's where it's beginning is 300 feet up of course they don't have mountains like we do they don't have the Rocky Mountains but they have mountains there that are tall and this is 300 feet up on Mount Hermon there that's where it starts And it descends or drops to 1,200 feet below sea level by the time it reaches the Dead Sea. 
It is no surprise that this beautiful Jordan River consistently in the scripture speaks of transition. Moses transitioned to Joshua. Elijah transitioned to Elisha. John the Baptist transitioned to Jesus. All of that transitioning happened at the Jordan. You see, get up, go over the Jordan means to you and me, get ready for transition in your life. If you're not satisfied with where you have been, then stand up, get ready, get out of your seat, quit accepting mediocrity, and get ready to transition. Be intentional. Don't let life just happen. Get up out of your seat, get ready, and go over your Jordan. And your Jordan is a place of transition where God is going to lead you on. I spoke of honoring. I spoke of what it is to be in our midst honoring. I'm going to step back for just a minute because I want somebody to share something with you this morning. And he does so because he wants to honor you. He wants to honor God. Trevor, this is how a church honors. I just want to... How about now? Okay. We caught the sound team off guard. Threw a little curve in there, see how they do. They did great. Um, I just, this summer has been extremely busy for us. Um, with Amy's new job, I started a company. And so things were really busy. So that's why we decided to step back from leadership. Um, it just happened that about that same time that the doctors diagnosed me with CLL, which is chronic lymphocytic leukemia. So that's why we haven't been around a lot this summer because of the complications, um, that go along with that. Um, we're, just now, it's been a huge journey the last four months of the, um, doctors trying to figure out what's going on. It started last February with a heightened white cell count. Uh, and lymph nodes. Oh, something. Yeah, the numbers were off on the lymph nodes. Um, and that's what got them to start looking and start checking um, as far as what's going on. Um, I feel personally that this is the um, this is a symptom of other issues that have come to my attention, uh, personal issues um, as far as apparently I don't love me, and um, so there's what that creates is that autoimmune where your body begins to attack itself. Um, and this is, you know, it's a blood disease. Um, and then there's some other stuff going on that is showing signs of autoimmune. Um, so I'm not, it's not life-threatening. Um, I'm not even remotely concerned about that. Um, my primary concern is figuring out why I don't love me uh, and walking through that process and gaining... Um, 
breakthrough in that area. And once that happens, the body will come into a line in alignment because what's happening is the supernatural is manifesting in the natural and it's causing my body to attack itself. But I just kind of wanted to let you guys know, I, I know we haven't been around a whole lot this summer and I just wanted to let you know why it had nothing to do with anything as far as Genesis. It's just the season that we're walking through. Um, and we're very hopeful on the other side with, you know, breakthrough and um, being able to love myself, I'm sure is going to be a life-changing event. But who knew? Can I just add a little something here? Just want to add a little something. So the leukemia is pretty much rocking his world. He will never tell you that. Okay? So getting to church on Sundays is very hard. So, he's very strong, and the tears are only from stress. We, we have a lot of faith. We praise daily until we feel like praising. Hopefully you know what that means, because we don't really feel like it. But we know God, we trust God, and that's not where we're faltering, okay? I'm, I don't know if you can say this in church, but I'm going to say it. I'm really pissed quite frankly. I'm pissed because what in the hell? Come on, Jesus. What in the hell is going on? And who does the enemy think he is? That's pretty much where I'm at, okay? Isn't so that if good? I, <laughs> that good? Because if I come into church and I look a little mean, please don't take it personally, it's called righteous indig- indignation, okay? Every day I get up and I do the shundai on him, okay? <laughs> because this should not be happening, All right? We know that. It started in May when he got diagnosed, and it's been literally hell, period. Um, We're not concerned of him dying, but we shouldn't be going through this in the first place. So everybody that comes in our path gets to know a radical relationship with Jesus. That's my focus. I invited two people to church today. They couldn't come because they had flat tires. Go figure. So so just know that that's where we're at. we, We aren't faltering. We're praising. But I am mad. And I'm, I'm focusing where that, that um, anger goes, just so you know. Yes, okay? Yes, yes. All right. How many are glad she's mad? I think you ought to be mad. Now, I want a couple of the men from this section. Get up. Come on. Stand up, just like we read. Stand up. Get your arms around him. Jesus, in your mighty name, we send this disease from Trevor's body We command healing right now in every cell, every bone, his structure, his blood. Thank you, Father. And as far as the emotional and spiritual, in Jesus' name, put your arms around him afresh. And we just drive out anything that's compromising who he is and who you created him to be. We declare these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, men, for standing and being men. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Father. Come on. Yes. Yes, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Men, sit down. I'm doing good. 
See, Moses parted the Red Sea. Elijah parted the Jordan. But when Jesus got to the Jordan, he parted the heavens. We live in an open heaven. We don't need to part waters anymore for miracles. We don't need to live a performance-based Christianity to receive God's favor. We live under an open heaven. Jesus established it when he went to the place of transition. And he took you there with him. He, I was standing there at the Jordan. I hung on that cross. I was buried. I rose again. Now, verse 2. Look at it. Boy, there's so much in verse 2. Next, he says, lead these people. What's it mean to lead? Let me give you three things that mean in terms of a definition of a leader, what it means to lead, what I want to do with you and what I hope every one of you will consider doing in this church. Number one, lead well in your life. Believe in our mission here at Genesis. Your word, number one, must have integrity. When you give it, follow through. Number two, be generous with your money and your time. Use tithing as a baseline. Tithing's just a baseline. Never ask how much should I tithe. A tithe means 10%. That's where you start. That's just a baseline. You know why God put tithing in the Bible? To establish a baseline of generosity. Because generous people lead well. People who lead well are generous. Refuse to allow life to be all about you. At some point, you've got to lay that down, and it's got to be about other people. God will take care of you. Let's focus on the needs of other people. And fourth, serve in ministry to the needs of other people. Now, that all falls under lead well in life. If you lead well in life, you will keep your word. It will have integrity. You'll be generous with your money and your time. You will refuse to allow life to be all about you. And fourth, you will serve in some sort of ministry to the needs of others. If you're not doing that, you're not leading well in your life. The number two quality of leading these people is a leader is a catalyst. They create change. They create momentum. They create progress. I know sometimes it's easy to come to a church, especially a Pentecostal or charismatic one, you know, like ours, and people that lift their hands and talk in tongues and do all of that. And, and those churches tend to have a real motivational speaker. You know, they have a lot of charisma in the church. And so there's a lot of that external stuff and, and, and a lot less focus on the internal devotional life, the contemplative life of the believer where we're establishing deep spiritual truths. And, and that's unfortunate. Because a lot of charismatic churches are filled with people. A lot of churches, I'm not going to pick just on charismatic ones, I think charismatic churches have a bigger problem in this area where we tend to focus on the charismatic leader 
and less on the fact that I'm a leader too and bless the Lord, I'm going to get out of my seat and I'm going to be a change agent. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to bring momentum at Genesis. I'm going to create an atmosphere where people are excited and want to follow. May I ask you a question as your pastor? How many of you are willing to get up and enter a new hour here at Genesis and be a leader? I mean create momentum. Don't wait for somebody else to do it, but see needs and fulfill them. Go ahead, create change. And you don't have to get approval for every little thing. Bless the Lord. Amen? We don't need to get approval to go down to the store and buy a $5 part that will improve the whole sound of the music system. You know what I mean? I just had this exchange with somebody. And this was just ignorance. You know, this was just ignorance. But see, uh, uh, Dusty, it was with Dusty. Okay, Dusty's a drummer. Dusty, but, but I want to pick on you for just a minute. So, no, but listen, I get that all week. Emails, people coming up to me after service, people calling, people coming over to the house, whatever, who engage me on things where, first of all, I often just don't know. But secondly, I just don't care. Why? Why? It's important to me. If it involves the church at all, it's important to me. Listen to me. But I can't be involved in caring about that because you're supposed to care about it. I am empowering you this morning to take this ministry, to take its departments, to take its mission and vision that we've talked about and do something with it, bless the Lord. Quit feeling like you've got to ask me for permission to obey God and make things better. All right, number three, I told you there are three qualities of a real leader. Number one is lead well in your personal life. Number two, lead, be, a, be a leader as a catalyst. A leader as a catalyst. Number three, healthy leaders rise to the occasion. You see, leaders love responsibilities. Doers get overwhelmed by it. Leaders are energized by responsibility. They love a challenge. Leaders constantly ask, what else can I do? Even better, a leader will proactively pursue more responsibility. And again, doers, you know, they get done with one thing and they're just done. The, you know? So there's a real difference between a healthy leader and just a doer. And now we get to verse 3. Look, verse 3 in our text. I am handing over to you as I promised. I am handing over to you as I promised. Those are the words I want you to see. Literally in the Hebrew, that phrase means this. I have already assigned it. Dear ones, you need to stop questioning the will of the Lord. So often we're asking, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? And he's sitting there saying, he, he's... <laughs> He dwells within us and he's trying to get through all of that stuff, all of that unbelief, all of that craziness and say to you, I've already assigned it. I've already assigned it. You say, well, I'm just not hearing anything. Well, again, get up off your blessed assurance and just start being faithful with what is another man's. We have so many things around this church 
that we need more of you to be involved in. And you know what will happen? Even if that's not your absolute career, even if that's not your highest calling in the Lord, you know, to be doing, even if that's not your ultimate position that God has for you in a local church, here's what will here's happen. As you're just faithful being colonel of the urinal, you know, Washing and cleaning in the bathroom. You know what will happen? The Spirit of the Lord will come on you while you're doing that. And he'll say, now, you've been faithful with what is another man's. Go. Do this. Raise this up. I'm upon you for such a day. And it will just absolutely change your life. Now, I'm not saying that being colonel of the urinal is not worth your attention and that you always got to go somewhere else from there, that you start with the lowest and God will promote you. Maybe God wants you to be colonel of the urinal for the next 20 years. Well, then bless his name in it. Thank God for it and lead well. Lead well. Get a whole team behind you. Amen? Get a whole team. And yes, you have permission to go buy the brushes and the buckets and whatever you need. And if we don't have it or we run out of it, bless God, see Barb, who oversees that kind of stuff, and she'll get you, she'll approve you. I'm going to stop it. You're going to ask me next time I'm going to say, that's what I'm going to do. Next time you ask me for approval for something, I'm going to say. <laughs> I know that some are critical of applying this passage of Scripture literally to our personal success and achievement. They say that was for Joshua. That was for a specific military commission to lead a nation out of bondage. And that doesn't apply to us. And I realize there's that criticism out there. But I would just invite you to listen to the words first of Jesus. All things are possible to him that believes. Mark 9, 23. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. John chapter 14. I'd ask you to listen to Paul the apostle. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I'd ask you to listen to James Chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You do not have because you do not ask. The other day, I was out at the shooting range with a couple of friends. <laughs> you must go. It wasn't us, but you, you must go and enjoy that. So I was out at the shooting friend, uh, range with a couple of friends. I was, not, I was not shooting friends. I was at the shooting range with friends shooting targets in the distance. Now, one of the guns was a uh, 270 caliber. Now, uh, this gun is, uh, is very worthy. It, it packs a punch. There's only a couple calibers larger that you would use to maybe go bear hunting or elk hunting or elephant hunting. But this, this little gun, 270 caliber, will take down most of the things you need to take down. So it's got quite a kick. Now, I had never shot of 270. 
I'd shot shotguns and pistols and BB guns and 22s. So here, Jeff, <laughs> sit down. All right, so I'm going to make a long story short. So I sit down, and the target is 100 yards out. Right Now, that's a distance, 100 yards. And I couldn't get positioned just right because the seat wasn't, you know, it didn't accommodate people with longer torsos. But I, I got it, and I stuck my hand over the barrel to steady it, and it was sitting on a bag. I shot six shots. One, the first five I placed all just above the bullseye in a row. All right. Yeah. No. See, I, I was told when we walked up to the target and, and my friend saw that, he said, that's incredible. I mean, you don't shoot, you, you don't go to the range. This is 100 yards out with that gun for you to be where you are even on the target. He said most people can't even hit the target. You not only hit the target, but you're just outside of the bullseye and you've got a strong, tight pattern, which means that you're, you know, you're doing well, you're holding it steady. And one of them hit the bullseye. It, it was on the edge, but it was on the bullseye. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the point to the real story, though. See, now, if, if you've never shot a, a, a rifle, uh, watch the program Shooter on television. And that'll give you a sense, because this is a program based on our snipers in the military who shoot and kill the enemy at two miles, two and a half miles away with their sniper rifles, the, long, the longest shots. That's a long ways. Now, listen, distance, wind, slope, elevation, air quality, your steadiness, all of that affects it. And so this gun had a scope, as you might imagine, and I'm lining it up. <laughs> And, you know, the idea is to get those crosshairs on what you're shooting at. And those crosshairs kept moving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here I think I'm being steady. But when you got that thing magnified in a scope, you know, my body looks real steady. And that crosshair is still just moving all up and down. <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay, now! <laughs> Which is the worst thing you can do. You know, see, that's what we do. We line up our Christianity. We line up our prayer. We line up a, a visit at the church. Since we don't come to church every Sunday, we got to line one up for the month. And, and, and then we... <laughs> Bam! And, and, and then, you know, it's everywhere. My friend... He tried just standing with it and shooting. He tried a tripod. It was all over. But then he sat down. He put it on a bag. He rested. He got silent. He started breathing. He lined up his shot. And he put three dead center in the bullseye. Where are you this morning in your shooting? Are you just firing? Are you shotgunning your Christianity? Are you shotgunning what you're doing for the church of Jesus? Are you shotgunning what you're doing here? Just throwing a clay pigeon out there and hoping to hit it with a scatter blast here at Genesis? Or is there intention to what you are doing? Now, I have news for you regarding the building, the new building. There's no news. <laughs> 
No, but literally, on Friday, <clears throat> they had a lease agreement in draft drawn up, ready to go, final reading, and then they said, uh, who's going to be the signature? And I said, well, I, I sign on behalf of the church. He said, no, we, we need a guarantor. And I said, well, we, we don't do that. Our board has never done that. We lease cars, we do you know, business deals, and we do it in the name of the church, and the church is good for that. And our board signs off on it because you know, that's what presidents and vice presidents and secretary treasurers do on behalf of the board, but they're not personally liable if you know, the whole thing blows up. And he says, well, that's a problem. <laughs> we have four other churches in other centers that uh, three of them all had a personal guarantee, uh, guarantor from their board, and one of them gave us an entire month, uh, year's rent up front. And I just sat there, I was calm. <laughs> I'm lining up my gun, I'm lining up my faith, my faith rifle, and I said, well, that's a problem. <laughs> so he said, well, let me run this up the ladder and I'll get back to you. Well, I left town, I've been gone all week, so I haven't heard anything. I'll hear this week whether or not they're going to continue with the lease and let us sign it as a church rather than me being the personal guarantee on it. We don't have anybody on our board with deep pockets, you know, that can guarantee something like that, and they'll, if they need to come after you, they'll come after you. So we don't do business that way. Now, so that's the news on the building. Let me say this. Whether we move, which you know we're moving December 31st, uh, that weekend, December 30th weekend, is our last service here. No more services here. We will be out by the end of the year. That's a done deal. All right, we're not extending that. Now, whether we move to that shopping center, Mission Trace, down here, two and a half miles east of us, into the building that we're negotiating on, or somewhere else, the vision, the mission, and the call remain the same. I want to show you a couple of things that I just wrote some bullet points out, put it in an email, and ran it up the ladder to who we're negotiating with at the shopping center. And I said, I want you to consider these because this is something that makes us different from the other churches. Could we lower the lights, please, and go ahead with that first slide? We will make our facility available to the city of Thornton, Thornton Police, Thornton Fire and Rescue, and veterans and military, focused charities for one of their annual events free of charge. We will help feed, clothe, and minister to the needs of the poor and less fortunate as we develop relationships with the other center tenants. We will develop and conduct computer training and other marketable skill classes that can be offered to the community. We will host parking lot fundraisers where the proceeds can be donated to the community, to community projects designated by the city of Thornton. We will provide all Mission Trace employees with a 10% discount on daycare services through our daycare program once we're up and running. We will offer upon approval and make available a value-added chaplaincy program for all Mission Trace tenants and their employees, making available to them personal care, which looks like confidential discussions regarding problems, marriage, divorce, etc., funeral assistance, jail visits, grief counseling, and many other services which provide general supportive care for the emotional wellness of the employees of our fellow tenants. When you get a chance, Macy, find that overall sky shot, the 
the 40,000 foot shot of the top of the building, just throw that up and leave it. Yeah, just leave it there. That's the space we're looking at, 16,000 square feet. Lights, please. How many of you feel like there's some substance there? Yeah. All right, we're not talking about just moving, occupying a, a new hole in a shopping center and making it all about us and, you know, trying to grow for growing sake so that we can say, you know, we have 200 or we have 500 or we have 1,000 people. In fact, I've already said to a couple of individuals, once we get to 500, which would require two services, entirely possible, once we get to 500, we'll plan a campus. We'll just take 100 people, put a bunch of money behind it, pay the pastor's salary for the year, first year, and plan a campus out someplace, maybe up in Brighton or somewhere, wherever the Lord wants us to. There's no need for us to grow to 2,500 so that we can say we're 2,500. Let's grow to a certain size and then plan a campus in a community that needs this tremendous message of grace. You know what? I just need some men to stand up. I'm, I'm going to ask for men right now. I'm, I'm speaking to men. I just need some men to stand up. See, I don't need perfect men. I don't need a loud man. I don't need a man who is without questions. I just need a few men who will be bold and courageous enough to declare we are well able to go up and take this country. I am not going to sit and remain in my past. I am going to step into my future. I just need a few men. Now, all of you men that are standing, let me tell you something that happens in the heart of the women in your life. I can't really do it. I'm just going to unbutton a button. Forgot what I'm wearing. <laughs> can everybody see a cameraman? Can you? This is what their heart is doing inside their chest right now. All right. Now, there's some men that can't stand, shouldn't stand. All right, there's a reason you're not standing, and that's fine. This is not for the purpose of condemnation. Every woman in your life that sees you standing right now or will ever know about this, their heart just starts beating. Man, that's who I want to follow. That's who I want to wrap my arms around at night. That's, that's who I can proudly set before my children to teach them about the qualities of life and leadership and what it, what it means to be a man and to be involved serving others and being behind a mission. You say, Jeff, you've, you've made some pretty big promises this morning. You, you've, you've presented some pretty lofty ideas. Yeah, and so did Joshua. And so did the Lord. In fact, in our text, the Lord says... And I will bring everything I've told you to pass. David, in fact, he said it this way. Every place your foot steps on, I've already assigned it and given it to you. Now I'm going to read one more passage of scripture while our men are standing. Joshua chapter 21. So this is like now a lot later. A lot's happened in the camp and with the church. And here's the testimony of that church because of the men. See, back then the men 
took this leadership. And I appreciate you ladies. Some of my best men are women. <laughs> and, and without being, needing to be a man, you know I'm making fun. But uh, I, I mean, what kind of person would a church pay, completely bring on staff and pay a good salary to, to have a Barb Cambron? You know what I mean? And she, she doesn't get paid anything from this church. Every once in a while, we can, we can give her a check for $100 or so for gas money and so forth. Churches would pay her good salary, but she wouldn't go because she believes in the mission here of this church. See, I just need a few men that will believe literally. No, I don't care if we wind up at Mission Trace or not. That is not our destiny. That's not our goal. Our goal is, is the spirit of what I just put up there and read to you. Those bullet points that I ran up to the owner of that shopping center and said, we're different. Man, if we get in that shopping center, we're going to make a difference in this community. We're going to make a difference in people's lives. We're not just about having church and preaching sermons and going home and saying, wasn't that nice? I need some men who would stand. Listen to this, all you men especially. Joshua chapter 21. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Now, I left out verse 8 in our text. You want to know why? Because I wanted to make this point with it. I'll quote it. Here it is. This book of the law, all right, the word of God shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, being careful to observe all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Now, that's Old Covenant. The New Covenant version of it would be this. Everything the Holy Spirit has been illuminating from the Bible for you including the literal words of Jesus. You need to be speaking those things and declaring them and confessing them night and day. Because see, just reading the Bible is not enough. You've got to put it in your mouth. Reading the Bible is not sufficient to bring success and change. You've got to put it in your mouth. There was a reason for that because that word meditate that he uses there means this, to chew the cud. You know animals that chew their cud, right? Cows, camels. They, they chew that bite of food and then they swallow it. It goes down into one of their seven stomachs. <laughs> and then they regurgitate that same wad of food and re-chew it and chew it. And then they swallow it again and it processes and goes into the second stomach. And then they regurgitated it and they keep chewing the cud, getting a little something different each time. Hey, I just need a few men who would say, I don't need to read a whole 
chapter a day. I don't need to keep up with a, with a Bible reading plan. If you do, that's great. What I need is to listen to the Holy Spirit today. Get my word out. Find out what he's breathing, both for me and my family and my church. And I need to put it in my mouth. And I need to chew the cud. I need to start speaking that thing over Pastor Jeff and his wife. I need to start speaking that thing over the elders. I need to start speaking that thing over Trevor's body. I need to start speaking that promise over our worship leaders. I need to start speaking that promise over our new building that's coming at the end of the year. Wherever it's going to be, Lord, I want to be a part. I just need a few men who would believe with me that this great vision God's put in our heart is possible. And we're going to bring it to pass by meditating on that word, keeping it in our mouth and speaking it, and taking a greater role of leadership to make things happen. Let's all stand, please.